Hi, this is Jay Bear of Convince and Convert Consulting, and welcome to the new Content Experience Show. Content Experience is the new content marketing. It's not only about reaching audiences where they are, but engaging them with personalized, useful content that matters. On the Content Experience Show, we share strategies, tips, and real-world examples of how leaders are taking their content marketing to the next level. Now, here's your hosts, Randy Frisch from Uberflip and Anna Harak from Convince and Convert Consulting. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Content Experience Show podcast. I am Anna Harak from Convince and Convert, and I'm here with the always amazing Randy Frisch from Uberflip. This week, we have a fantastic guest. We had Chris Lynch, who is CMO of Cision. Now, we got to talk about a lot of cool stuff on this show, but one of the big things that we got the inside scoop on was sort of how Cision is handling these massive, major, game-changing acquisitions that have happened recently. Randy, you, especially being a CMO as well, had to have had a really sort of interesting perspective talking to Chris because he had a lot of really good sort of process and procedures and just wondering what your take on it was from a CMO. Yeah, first off, I, I think you nailed it with Inside Scoop. I feel like we are the, the e-Hollywood access insider, whatever, whatever you know, you follow your gossip on. We are that for acquisitions right now because we, we got them like the day after they announced this $250 yeah. plus million dollar acquisition of Trendkite. I feel uh, like we need the like extra intro, you know, like extra, extra. Like, yes, you know. absolutely. Yeah. Let's pause and whoever's editing, go for it. <laughs> no pressure. It's Go probably for, not okay. gonna happen. All right. Not not gonna happen. Uh, but no, this this was really cool. I you know what I what I really like, and I think you'll like listening to Chris, is there's just a calm, cool, collected, you know, way about him. Uh, where he's been there, done that as he hit it. He's he's done this before at Oracle Marketing Cloud, where they were quite acquisitive. Uh, so he's seen this all before. And I think that also speaks just to that. You know, you complimented him on on how well they've communicated, but that that's what this podcast ultimately is all about. It's about communication today, um, and it's about how we get our messages out through earned media and the ways that we have to rethink our organization to get those messages out effectively. And I, I personally took a lot out of that because that you know, as a CMO, as you put it, that's that's a lot of what my role needs to be is like how do we communicate to every channel we're trying to hit every day. And that's, that's a lot to take no matter what stage of company you're at. Yeah, no, I mean, you would expect them to have amazing communication as like a PR suite platform, you know, but yeah, they've done an excellent job of communicating. And my favorite part of the podcast and an ironic twist of fate is we once again, somehow unknowingly touched on your boat incident. So everybody's going to have to stick around to the end to hear how that comes into play. Um, Randy, you brought Chris in. What do you say? Uh, we hear what he has to say. Hey, Chris, thanks so much for joining us on the Connect Show here. I am really excited to dig in and hear all about Cision and crazy changes happening there lately. But let's set the stage with who you are. Uh, kind of give us the Chris in a nutshell, elevator pitch, if you will. Uh, what's your career look like and what are you doing these days? Sure. So, hi, everyone. I'm Chris Lynch. I'm the Chief Marketing Officer at Cision. Uh, we are the leader in earned media management. 
I've been in the world of MarTech probably for almost 10 years now. Prior to coming to Cision, I ran global product marketing for the marketing cloud business unit over at Oracle. So I've been in and involved in the marketing function, both as a practitioner uh, running marketing teams, but also on the vendor side as a provider of technologies, data, and other types of solutions that are aimed at helping the marketer go digital and, and provide a better customer experience. So I've been at that for a while, and that's been my journey. Amazing. So I, I should have asked you this before we recorded, but I'll ask now, and yeah, we'll adjust from the answer. Would you have overlapped with my previous podcast co-host, Chris Moody? I did overlap with Chris Moody when I was at Oracle. So I was running yeah. product marketing for the same business unit where he was running content oh. marketing. So I worked with Chris quite a bit, actually. He was great. Awesome. Nice. Yeah, well, I mean, that. no hit on Oracle. You're not there anymore. But they used to be one of the sponsors of this podcast. And Chris was the representative of such. But uh, yeah, I, I'm pretty happy with my co-host now. No. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Not like I'm sitting right. Not wrong. like I'm sitting nah. right here or anything. I didn't have to say that. No, I didn't <laughs> have to say that at all. Cool. So, so Chris, I mean, I, I hit on this right out of the gate. Stuff at Cision is changing really quickly. I mean, there was a vision. I read about that vision from Kevin Ackroyd in the early days after he joined there. That you know, they were you were going to redefine what earned media looked like. But maybe you could just talk about what's been happening over the last few months. Uh, and even weeks there uh, since we recorded this. Sure. So as you mentioned, one of our founding concepts that we've had over the last few years um, as we came to Cision and started building out the vision was that earned media, uh, the piece of media that most consumers trust the most, has really been underloved within the marketing function. And so what we've been trying to do is build out a technology platform and stack that is aimed at helping the communications professional or the Marcom professional actually have a centralized place to manage their data, be able to manage all the processes around their campaigns and then measure what type of business outcomes they're having. So we've been through a journey to build out the Cision Communications Cloud, which is our flagship product. And as we've gone about doing that, I think we've had a combination of organic efforts to build out certain pieces of functionality. Cision Impact would be a good example of that, where we actually went and took some of the same technology that is being used in advertising, but have applied that to earned media. So comms professionals can actually understand, hey, when an audience goes out and consumes an article about my brand, and then they also come back to, say, my website and perform a desired action like adding something to a shopping cart or becoming part of a lead gen program. How do we track that all the way through? And that's really what Cision Impact did, does. And you know, we invest in that organically uh, from an engineering and product standpoint, and it's been out in the market for a year. Now, in addition to the organic development, we also have grown inorganically with acquisitions. And so recently... Uh, at the new year, uh, we, we acquired a company called Falcon uh, IO, which is really focused on social media management because as we were looking at the workflow of most communicators and PR professionals we were working with, obviously there's a lot of overlap with social. And then uh, very recently this week, as you might've seen in the news, we announced the acquisition of Trendkite. Uh, Trendkite has focused a lot on monitoring and analysis within the PR uh, software community, and we felt it was a very complementary offering 
to what we do. Uh, so we were happy to welcome them to the family this week. So wow. we've, had a, we've had a lot going on. Yet you've got time to record a podcast. So I'm, I'm <laughs> impressed. Like as CMO, you got this thing down. Uh, I, so I want to get back a little later in the show. Maybe after we take you know, our break, we'll, we'll hit a little bit more on earned media. But I'm sure a lot of people listening to this, even if they don't give a shit about our media, which we'll tell them why they should, but they're probably really intrigued as to what is the experience as a CMO going through two acquisitions in under 30 days, or at least announcing two acquisitions in under 30 days. What does that look like, including from a content perspective? Because there's a lot of new stories for you to tell and a lot of new audiences, I assume, for you to engage with. Yeah, so the key is starting with a very repeatable project plan when you do acquisitions. And I'm lucky that I come from a background. Obviously, Oracle is also a very acquisitive company. So I understand how that process works and what kind of ducks you need to have in a row. But, you know, we treat it like we would treat any campaign, which is to say that we have a working group that we pull together and you know, you have to be deliberate about doing that because you're properly reading in people on a need to know basis um, before the announcement goes live. And you need to be very careful uh, around that and explaining to people the implications of uh, keeping things confidential uh, as we move forward. But basically, we pull the right people together on my team that we need to execute the campaigns. And that really will spread across communications is a primary driver because they're the ones that are eventually going to be out there working with journalists, working with influencers to get the story out. We work a bit with product marketing in terms of articulation of what the message is. How does this uh, complement and fit with our overall market vision? And how do we talk about the two companies that are coming together in a holistic way that the market understands? And then we also work with digital marketing to make sure we're queuing everything up for when the announcement is going to go live. Uh, across all the digital channels, whether it's banners, whether it's email, whether it's web, uh, whether it's when it's hitting the press release, we are all kind of got all the ships moving at the same time. So we're lucky in the sense that we've had some experience doing these, um, but we try to make it repeatable. uh, So people who are involved in the project know what they're doing. Nice. I think that's actually really well reflected in even the most recent trend trend kite acquisition, everything that I've read about it has been very laid out. It's been very sort of, here's what next, here's what this means, um, which is something that not to pick on them at all, but it was when with the big Adobe Marketo acquisition was sort of like the big question mark. Like there was this massive acquisition coming together and, and people were just sort of like, this is huge, dot, dot, dot. You know, but but with everything I've seen from you all, it's been here's what this means, here's the benefit, here's what's going forward. And I think that's something that companies just forget is, you know, these are big exciting times, but then all of those question marks go unanswered. So it's I appreciated your communications. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I mean, I think one of the things I try to do as a guiding principle is take an outside looking in approach, which is to say, if I'm a customer of either company how is this going to impact me, right? And I think what people want to know is that the service that they've relied on for however long as a customer is going to have complete continuity. um, And they're going to want to hear from us that the plan is is to invest in it further, which uh, in the case of Trendkite and Falcon.io is absolutely the case. We are investing in these products because we believe 
they have so much to offer our customer base as well. So I think that's the thing that you need to make sure that you're keeping an eye on is like, what does this mean for your customers externally? I think that especially as you get into larger corporate environments, you know, I worked at Oracle uh, previous to being at Cision. It's very easy to kind of just focus on the mechanics of a deal and, you know, what are the kind of market messages that we have from an agenda standpoint. But I think if you can just remind yourself that there's some person on the other end of all these things consuming all of it, that can be a good guiding light for you. And it's something I try to instill in the team. It's great advice, Chris. You know, it's, it's funny. I, uh, I, I'm reflecting on it. about a week ago. I am a customer of another company that was recently acquired. And it was interesting. They actually hired a third-party organization to essentially run a, a phone-in focus group where it was like me being interviewed for my perception of the value that each of these two companies was going to add to each other. Um, and I thought it was really interesting. I mean, you know, as, as a CMO myself sitting in on it, I, I thought it was really interesting, the process that they went through, you know, the different messaging they tried on me in terms of what they're thinking to bring to market as these two companies become one. And, you know, I think it all comes back to that point that you hit on, which is really take the time to think about what this means for all the customers out there. And it's, it's something we have to probably do, whether we're acquiring a company, if you're listening Uh, into this podcast, or we're just sometimes reinventing what our brand and what our company stands for. So it's been great advice. Want to keep hitting you with some questions with all this experience. We're going to take a quick break though, hear from some of our sponsors, and we will be right back here with Chris on Connex. Hi, friends. This is Jay Baer from Convince and Convert, reminding you that this show, the Connect Show podcast, is brought to you by Uberflip, the number one content experience platform. Do you ever wonder how content experience affects your marketing results? Well, you can find out in the first ever content experience report, where Uberflip uncovers eight data science-backed insights to boost your content engagement and your conversions. It's a killer report, and you do not want to miss it. Get your free copy right now at uberflip.com slash connex show report. That's uberflip.com slash connex show report. And the show is also brought to you by our team at Convince and Convert Consulting. If you've got a terrific content marketing program, but you want to take it to the very next level, we can help. Convince and Convert works with the world's most iconic brands to increase the effectiveness of their content marketing, social media marketing, digital marketing, and word of mouth marketing. Find us at convinceandconvert.com. Hey, everybody, we are here with Chris Lynch. And before the break, we were talking about basically how to acquire and make sure that roadmap is set and communicate everything out and just what those changes look like. And now we're back. And Chris, I have this question for you, because one of the things that I noticed is, you know, you talked a lot in your communications about the acquisitions, about all of the benefits to users and, you know, sort of changing landscapes and just the the abilities that, that users will be able to gain now from using Cision and these platforms together. And it seems very reflective of sort of the current state of earned media, which, you know, 10 years ago, you had a PR department with this little box around them. And then you had the social department with this little box around them. And then you had the content department with a little box around them. And the lines of what to do and when were seemingly clear. But of course, with the rise of earned media kind of distributing it and spider webbing out to all these departments, it's so blurred. And it's it's it just seems like earned media 
really can't even be put in its little box anymore within any particular department. It feels very reflective, these acquisitions of sort of the current state of things. Yeah, I think that one of the things that I see happening in the market is first and foremost, the lines between paid, owned, and earned have often got pretty blurred. If you think about the early days of social, as an example, which I know you guys were out at the forefront of, there was a time when you could pretty much post any piece of content you wanted on your brand page. And actually, it would get some decent reach across social channels. And then, of course, the social networks were like, oh, wait, we should probably make money. Now, if you really want to get certain messages out in front of people on social, you have to do it as an ad. So... In a lot of cases, some of that content that's being posted there would look like stuff of the earned variety, but it's then being promoted via an ad just to get in front of people. So that's an example where you see those lines blurring quite a bit. With earned media, for me, I'm still a little bit of a purist in the sense that I think earned media is media that is mentioning a brand being generated by someone who's not in the employ of the brand. And that can be sort of a clarifying exercise. Now, not everyone would agree with me about that, by the way. Like they would look at paid influencer relationships as a piece of earned media because often they can look like earned media in terms of how they're done. I think the key is often just transparency, you know, and and just sort of trying to communicate to the reader around what and how this piece of media was constructed. Is it true organic earned media or is it a paid opportunity? But I think if you're looking at marketing organizations, this impacts how you org people and groups. And I think social has been an interesting one, right? Because you have sort of where the bulk of a lot of the social providers make their money actually is not with marketing. A lot of it is with social customer service and care and those pieces on the vendor side. But then of course, you do have just real social media marketing where you're trying to get an authentic story and kind of a drumbeat out So um, we see with our customers that what they're looking at is the pieces of social that they care about the most and trying to gain as much control of that as they can within the brand side. So in that case, they often care about what is sort of the narrative we have around certain announcements, things that are going to really shape our statement to the market, and then also really following up with influencers, both of the traditional variety uh, like journalists, but then more of the ones that are have a dedicated following that's mainly on the social side and and having a systematic way to engage them. So I've, I've got a question on all this. I mean, we're seeing the lines blur in terms of who controls this and, and how all the strings are pulled for everyone to work together. How about who's responsible for being that external voice to achieve consistency with what earn media says about us, right? Uh, you know, you know, is that like, take as an example, decision, is that your role as the CMO or are you able to also have additional evangelists or, you know, which is a title I've seen more and more in organizations of late uh, or other members of your marketing team and, and senior leadership team who, who kind of take on that role? Yeah. So as a CMO, I feel like my job is to help the company acquire, engage, and retain customers across all three of the main media channels being paid, owned, and earned. And we do all three um, as at Cision and just our group as, as practitioners of marketing. And I feel like that's 
the CMO's role at the high level. One thing that's interesting is we recently, to answer your question, I think that there is going to be a new role that crops up around earned media. Uh, we just hired a vice president of earned media management and her remit includes PR, comms, social, and content marketing because we're advocating for that role to be inside more marketing organizations and for that to be someone who works alongside digital marketing on the paid and own side, works alongside product marketing as they're getting ready to bring new products to market. But what we wanted to do was really practice what we preach and say, look, all of this is a story that the brand, decision brand in our case, is trying to weave out in the market. And having one person to do that, I think is important. And I think just sort of limiting it to comms only is a little too limiting. And so that's why we created the new role. How did you how did you kind of recognize or what were some of the telltale signs that this role was needed? Just because, you know, I think that's still a huge question for pretty much everybody is like, how do we staff? What does this look like? Where does social go? So what were some of those telltale signs where you're like, okay, we really need somebody to own this specific piece of it? I think telltale signs is when you start to see some redundant work being done across your department. And our marketing team is big enough where you can see something like that happening. So, you know, we're bringing, let's say we're bringing a new product to market, right? There's a lot of different trains that you're orchestrating across marketing, whether it's what our ad and media strategy is going to be. How are we going to drip out different campaigns to the existing customer base versus what we're going to be doing to prospects? So there's a lot of things happening. But what I would notice is with our comms team, they'd be saying, hey, you know, for this piece, you know, we really need a piece of content to go and show this journalist. I'm like, well, if you talk to the content marketing team, they actually built a white paper about that topic like a month ago. Or, hey, we got to talk to the social team about how we get this out. I'm like, yeah, like, I think they actually already have something queued up. So what I was noticing was that marketing, like any department at any larger company can get a little stovepiped if you're not careful. And it's, there was good work happening in these independent pockets. But what I found was on the earn side, it was all a little fragmented. And so as we were starting to use our own tools, like Decision Comms Cloud, to pull in some of those campaign elements, I really was emphatic that we start pulling content and social into the fold because you see that in the other functions, right? I mean, we have a unified digital marketing function, which is essentially the majority of our paid and owned media because we want ads being orchestrated the right way just as an email is going out around the same type of product or service that we might be out there marketing. So marketing has its various stovepipes as you get into, you know, when I go and meet with our customers and you get to some of the larger CPG brands, I mean, they're just, there's still tons of org silos that exist, mm -hmm. but we really felt that at least if you can get some unification around earned, some unification around paid, and some unification around owned, that does make the CMO's job a little bit easier on the day-to-day. -day. Chris, I got to tell you, I, I love when we get CMOs on this podcast because we get to really hit on strategic thinking, strategic level. But I'm going to finish this podcast with the least strategic question, but the one that is for sure burning on everyone's minds. Because my team, when I told them I'm, I'm interviewing the CMO of Decision today, they're like, oh, you got to ask this question. So, so here is the practical everyday question. 
Part of decision is our ability to, you know, launch press releases. What is the best day of the week to launch a press release? <laughs> Come on. Yeah, I mean, you got, first, you must have um, the data behind this, uh, or at least you have an opinion from, you know, your years at, at Oracle. Um, I could get you the data of the actual day. I do feel like it might fluctuate year to year. But I think, I tend to think a Tuesday is a good day to, to launch. You know, I think beginning of the week, it may not be the best day to get things in front of people because they're just kind of getting into their week and into their day. You do things on a Friday, people kind of feel like, why are you doing it on a Friday? Yeah, <laughs> so true. So, so yeah, I usually go for the, the meteor part of the week, but I like Tuesdays because you can also sort of get out ahead of a news cycle pretty well. It, it depends on what kind of brand you are too. I mean, there's certain brands, they can put something out any day of the week and everyone's going to cover it because of who they are. But why don't I get back to you on what the latest data all is? All right, all right. This yeah. is interesting. I, I feel like yeah. it's one of those blog posts that you need that would probably bring you a ton of inbound traffic. Yeah. Uh, so I get sure. full credit if you write that one in the work. So, yeah, all right. It's a good uh, idea. <laughs> so Chris, this has been a ton of fun. We, we're not going to let you go though. We're going to take a, a short little end here. It's kind of our fake end to the podcast. We keep you around and we get to hit you on some of the personal questions. Okay. Uh, you know, so we'll, we'll stick around with Chris, stay around and listen to what you need to know. All right, Chris, thanks so much for sticking by. Anna and I always have a fun question we like to ask guests at the end to get to know them. And this is one, you know, if you asked Anna and I, we'd have answers for you beyond Connex, but we love this podcast. So we, yeah, it's our default answer. But if you got to create your own personal podcast, it hit on your personal interest. So don't tell me it's, you know, earned media, because mm. if so, you know, I'd, I'd worry about your work-life balance. Yeah, what would that personal podcast be? And, you know, who would be your first guest? Oh, man, that's a great question. So if I were to do a podcast, I think I would do it around... I think I would do a podcast about being an amateur boater. Um, oh, wow. Because uh, so... This past year, my brother and I went halvesies on buying a little motorboat to kind of putz around San Francisco Bay. And it's been a real journey uh, when you're entering that world because the boating world is a very strange world. A lot of things are not necessarily easy or accessible to figure out. So you go and like read all of the safety books, right, about, you know, how not to basically run your boat into the side of another boat. And you watch all the videos about, hey, slow is pro, here's how you bring a boat in uh, to a dock. And our boat's like not that fancy. It's just this little motorboat. But it's been, we've had our hands full, I feel like, just learning like what everything in the engine does and all these different pieces. But it's almost like a very kind of uh, boater, boaters are kind of like a little bit of an insular community in the sense that like they're very nice once you finally start to ask them something. But, <laughs> you know, they also sort of just everyone kind of does their own thing. And so if you're not like very persistent in asking people questions, you really won't know what you're doing. So I feel like I've learned a lot the past year just kind of getting around and San Francisco Bay is kind of not a joke place to learn how to boat. I mean, it's like really strong currents here, a lot of wind. So you really have to know what you're doing. Right. Um, but I'd love to do a podcast about that, about just sort of the process of, 
of learning how to do that and and getting around. Um, Amazing, be fun because we have we've had. Is a, there like, an epic boater out there who would be that guest, or, or yeah, or would like, this more be amateurs? I think I'd want to talk to other amateurs about their boating stories. If you like, go on uh, one really funny Instagram channel is uh, the Qualified Captain. Um, it's this basically this uh, Instagram channel where people send in videos of like people ramming their boats into docks and people getting drunk and falling off the boat. I mean, it makes you feel really good about yourself. You know, <laughs> you're like, Oh man, the worst thing that happened to me last week was like, I was going into dock it and I didn't really like the angle. So I backed out and backed back in and, and you kind of feel like a little bad, like, Oh, I should have done it on one try, but then you watch that video and you like feel better. So yeah, I'd love to talk to other amateur video, uh, boaters about like what, what do they do uh, when they're learning? That's uh, right. And, and yeah. you know, for those listening to this podcast, we use Zoom to record these. So, you know, the three of us can all see each other now. And Chris, you may have been trying to figure out why Anna and I were, were smiling so much as you went into this boating example. Uh, and you wouldn't have heard our, our, we just recorded another episode just this week with Jason from UVA Us. He also talked about boating. And I had the most dramatic boating experience of my life which Chris, you and I are going to have to connect on LinkedIn so you see my story. But basically, three weeks ago, I escaped a boat fire where the boat exploded in the middle of the ocean. It was insane. And I read about it on LinkedIn. You can read all about it. But uh, it's it's like I can't escape boats this year. I don't know. Anna, what do you think? (laughs) Yeah, I I also... Yeah, I know. I agree. I don't think you can escape boats. But also, I did just take a sneak peek at the qualified captain, and it is cringe-worthy. Like, I was smiling over here because I just saw one. I was like, oh, oh, my God. Like, all of them are just, like, like teeth gritting, like, white-knuckling. Like, oh, it's a good well, one. Well, and, well, number one, I'm glad you're okay. And, um, Thank you. you know, I what's very interesting is how boating everyone has this concept in their mind right because it's just hey we're out on a boat that sounds like it'll be fun and it's amazing how things can go from being fun to getting real real fast when we first got the boat you know we had had some immediate stops and starts and like we'd had mechanics like oh yeah you need some more you need a new carb in there and you need a couple spark plugs and then you're good to go and it was a used boat right and uh we get out there and I'm with my dad and my brother and we did have the good sense of mind. My brother uh, has kids. He's six year old and a four year old. And we were like, let's not bring them out the first time. Like, let's just see how this boat does. And we were like, we're out there cruising and we're like, yeah. And you know, you're feeling good because you were like, we went through the whole process of buying the boat and, you know, negotiating and all this stuff. And then sure enough, like we're out there on the first cruise and some white smoke starts coming out of the engine. We're like, Oh my gosh. And, you know, and then we're out there. We're in San Francisco Bay, and the current is starting to like move us when the boat engine is stopped, and the current is just moving us towards shore. And uh, you know, we were able. My dad, who has some good marine experience, like we were able to get it anchored uh, and call a tow to bring us in. But like it, it does. It is amazing, like how quick that stuff can just unravel out there. It's wild. Well, listen, I'm glad you made it. I'm, I'm glad you you've got some stories to tell. We'll have to tune into this podcast one day when you're done acquiring companies at Cision, left, right, and center. <laughs> uh, Chris, thank you so much for sharing you know, the experiences you've been going through, a, a unique perspective on earned media 
for how we can organize our companies. Uh, until next time, I'm Randy Frisch from Uberflip with Anarak. This has been the Content Experience Show. Please go and find other episodes if you enjoyed this one on anywhere you enjoy your podcast. Until next time, thank you so much for tuning in. This is Jay Bear, and thanks for listening to the Content Experience Show. Please leave a review and subscribe on iTunes or on your favorite podcast listening app. Go to contentexperienceshow.com for a complete show archive and greatest hits. That's contentexperienceshow.com. The Content Experience Show is sponsored by Convince and Convert Consulting and by Uberflip. It's produced by my team and I at Convince and Convert. If you're interested in being a guest or a sponsor on the show, just go to convinceandconvert.com.